Equal Time for Free Thought, where we explore how a naturalistic, evidence-based approach to knowing our world and ourselves can help us become a more equitable, socially just, and peaceful society. I'm Arnel Doré, and today we bring you another installment of Naturalistic Support. On Naturalistic Support, we take your calls to discuss personal issues and the way that a naturalistic understanding can help us become the people we want ourselves to be. Our topic today is fighting fair. There's a lot that can be said about how to fight fair, and we'll get into it in just a moment. But first, for listeners who might not be familiar with our program, a little background. On naturalistic support, we promote a naturalistic model of human behavior. It's a naturalistic model because it's based on the best evidence available in social science and neuroscience, and because it does not treat humans as an exception to the rules of cause and effect. A naturalistic support, we try to provide what we believe is a state-of-the-art understanding of the human experience. This involves the understanding that people, like everything else in our macro-universe, are driven by cause, And any action we take is the only way we can possibly behave at any given moment, given all the conditions leading up to that moment. Now, certainly, if the conditions leading up to that moment were different, then we would have behaved differently. The naturalistic model also suggests that we always behave in the healthiest way we can. And this is true even when we behave in ways we wish we hadn't. If everything we do is the only thing we can do, and it's the healthiest behavior we are capable of at that time, then much of the painful feelings that so many of us feel are completely unjustified. On naturalistic support, we show how viewing our problems through a naturalistic lens can help change our thinking to minimize damage and support long-term and lasting personal growth and change. So how does the naturalistic, no-free-will approach accomplish this? By not taking responsibility and not assigning responsibility to others, we free ourselves from the judgmental baggage that keeps us fettered to the past. We are, at last, free to embrace who we truly are and to experience those around us as they truly are. And at once, we become able to be more like the people we want ourselves to be, our desired selves. And we become able to support the people in our lives in getting closer to becoming their desired selves as well. 
Now, naturalistic support isn't a substitute for conventional psychotherapy or other forms of counseling that are traditionally provided by licensed professionals. It is an approach to providing non-hierarchical peer support and demonstrating how applied naturalism can facilitate personal growth. We ask that our listeners who call in are willing to be emotionally open and share the details of their lives. If our experiments in naturalistic support are to work, we really need to limit our focus to only those callers that are able and willing to participate in the manner requested. Now to today's topic, how to fight fair. After we lay out the discussion a bit, we'll take your calls about your experiences with fighting fair at 212-209-2900. Almost everyone craves intimacy. It's a basic human need. Unfortunately, the path to establishing and maintaining healthy, intimate relations isn't commonly known or taught. As we might expect, the majority of what we know about how to conduct ourselves in close relationships is gleaned from what we observed in our childhood between the people who parent us. Unless we're fortunate enough to come from highly functional homes where interpersonal dynamics are engaged in with awareness and empathy, it's very likely that what we've learned is to perpetuate interpersonal dynamics that are dysfunctional. Needing intimacy as we all do, but not knowing how to be in a healthy, intimate relationship, many people wind up getting their intimacy needs filled by not fighting fair. If you and your partner fight intensely and frequently, you may be getting some value from it that might not be apparent. There are often unacknowledged benefits of yelling, screaming, cursing, raging, and even engaging in physical conflict in that you and your partner are sharing an experience that is deeply intense and intimate, albeit with toxic side effects, but in lieu of knowing how to be intimate in a manner that is loving and supportive, intense fighting for some is the only option they know. It's a choice which is usually made completely unconsciously by people who are often at the same time totally frustrated by their inability to break out of the cycle of rage. Just about everyone has known couples locked in such a cycle. Before toxic fighting can be made better, you need to be ready to drop dysfunctional approaches and committed to finding a healthier way. Without having a hidden need for toxic conflict motivating you, you can begin to learn and apply the rules of fighting fair. Fortunately, there's a great deal of information about how to do this. In fact, very little of what we're discussing here today is original. What we're presenting draws on a widely available bank of accumulated knowledge and wisdom about effective communication. So here's a checklist of some important relationship communication techniques. And bear in mind that some of these are overlapping. First, as we said, consider your motivation. Is it to vent or to improve the relationship? You may feel that you really want to vent, 
But venting may be the exact opposite of what's needed if the goal is to move the relationship forward. Although it may feel good to act out feelings like anger, outrage, desperation, hurt, and sadness, doing so is far more likely to shut communication down than to open it. Because one person venting can make the other person feel cornered, rather than moving things a step closer to resolution, venting at the other person can all too easily move things a step backwards, with the person on the receiving end often pushing back with equal, if not even greater, aggression. And from there, it's off to the races. So while it can be constructive to report your feelings, Acting those feelings out by yelling or hurling insults or being physically aggressive can be profoundly damaging. And not all acting out is outwardly aggressive. Passive aggressive behavior is probably even more commonly expressed than outward aggression. Examples of passive aggression include sarcasm, like instead of saying that you disagree, saying things like, whatever, and a perennial favorite of passive-aggressive aficionados everywhere, the silent treatment. It's definitely worth trying to avoid these. Next, when you bring up an issue, keep the scope small and incident-specific, and, if possible, timely. It's very hard to deal with stuff that happened months or years ago. Avoid starting sentences with, you always, or you never. There are so many people who do this by default. They won't express a complaint about a single incident, such as, this morning I felt as if you were saying yes to me, but not really listening. Instead, they'll break out the big guns and blast. You never listen to me. You just yes me all the time. To some, it might feel as if having numerous examples is better because it justifies making the complaint in the first place. It's a kind of prosecutorial mindset. You get all of your evidence and arguments lined up in a row before you initiate the opening salvo. But in an intimate relationship where affection and caring should be present, a prosecutor's techniques should have no place Avoid overarching characterizations like you are so disrespectful or you are an angry person. If you feel disrespected or that you were treated with anger because of something that occurred, then address that incident, but avoid the overarching characterizations. Next, no litany of sins. Don't stockpile complaints. For example, don't say, Last week, you embarrassed me in front of my friend Rachel when you were dismissive of me volunteering at the food bank. Then, on Saturday, after you said you'd go with me to my parents, at the last minute, you blew it off. And yesterday, you left a mess in the kitchen. And now, you're telling me that you don't want to do what we planned this weekend. While any single of these issues are valid to discuss with your partner, any conversation that attempts to address them all is unlikely to be beneficial. Next, replace judgmental language 
with descriptive language. Instead of saying, what you did was really screwed up, say, I felt sad after what you did. Judgmental language invites a defensive response, where just saying how you feel stands a much better chance of being heard. Next, cite what's positive that you could acknowledge. Otherwise, the other person won't recognize you as really seeing them. In relationships, we often see ourselves as the good guys. If you are only speaking about what an exclusively bad person your partner is, they probably won't recognize the person you're talking about. So, acknowledging some of what you love and value in the other person can go a long way towards getting the rest of what you're trying to say heard. Next, own your part of the problem. No matter how small, it can change the dynamic. It's the part of the relationship where you have the greatest likelihood of making a change. A relationship dynamic is like a dance pattern which both people follow. Change the way you move and you change the dance. And it's empowering to own your own part. Also, check to see if you're hearing each other by playing back what you think the other person is saying. When you do this, really try to present what you hear in a manner that's emotionally neutral and be careful not to have a dismissive or sarcastic tone. Finally, no ultimatums. Don't say things like, that's it, Daryl, either you do this or I'm out of here. Again, cornering someone may not be the best way to persuade them to consider your feelings. Now, this wasn't a comprehensive list, but it's a few points to consider. Personally, if I had known about and been able to apply these and some other key techniques of fighting fair earlier, it might have seriously reduced a lot of the sadness and anguish that I and some of the people that I was close to suffered through. And not just in my romantic relationships. Having known how to fight fair might have helped in some of my close friendships and in my relationships with my daughters as well. So what about you? Are you struggling with trying to improve a close relationship? Have you been through the struggle and succeeded? Or have you had to walk out of a relationship that couldn't break out of the cycle of toxic fighting? If you're willing to share your experience with your fellow listeners, call us at 212-209-2900 that's 212-209-2900, and tell us about it. And we'll be back to take your calls right after this short break. You're listening to Equal Time for Free Thought. Right here on 99.5 FM, WBAI, New York. Non-commercial, listener-sponsored. Peace and Justice Radio. And we have our first caller on the line. This is WBAI. You're on the air. My name's T, and what you said resonated with me about what you see growing up. And my parents were divorced, so I just kind of had a a depressed mother who would neglect me. And I just am having a hard time myself being in relationships, though. 
my workplace environment, my friends, family, extended family, it's awesome, but I haven't had any intimacy or relationships for more than a decade, and mm. I'm like 28, and I kind of just see myself unworthy of uh, friendships or intimacy, and I'm just afraid. Um, so I was just wondering, if, I hope it's not out of the scope of your conversation, but what I could do to just like open up and just put myself out there. What you're presenting, T, is a person that recognizes what they want, what they would like to have in their life. And instead of making a list of all that stuff that you have to do to accomplish your goal, it can be productive to also recognize what you've already done. If you grew up in an environment that didn't model intimacy, which most of us have grown up in an environment which does not model healthy intimacy, have you ever been intimate? Have you ever achieved something that approaches that? Have you ever strayed from the model that you received? Yeah, like eight years ago. Okay. All right. Well, it's true that when you're 28, eight years seems like a long time. But, yeah. <laughs> but over the course of a lifetime, it's a blink of the eye. What enabled you to do it then? What did you do eight years ago? It was just a friend. We had common interests. We'd go out, um, just you know, we're just as friends. And then just got closer, closer. And I never even saw it as an intimate relationship till after the fact, a few years later. Right. And right. I don't know. I just discredit myself and um, harsh to myself. So I just tell myself I've been alone. I am alone. But that was as close as it got. And Are you working with somebody who's giving you? therapy or counseling or some kind that of, is true yeah. yeah i am i have a therapist and yeah. if it wasn't for my best friend i just go home every weekend alone and i feel alone and then anytime i do go to a social gathering people always want to talk to me and the night's awesome but that happens less than three times four times a year i just shy away from those things more people have social anxiety than we realize if you saw any social gathering you'd be shocked at the number of people that we're anxious about coming to that gathering. It's really common. But this is an incremental process. Hopefully, you're working on recognizing what you have to offer. It's not about what a fascinating person you are. It's about intention. You sound like a genuine, sincere, thoughtful man who has something to offer that's honest and real. What do you care about in a person what would you value to be around? Um, just someone not very superficial, very caring, open-minded, and wants to have an effect on others or community or and be positive. Would you say that those are characteristics in you as well? Yeah. As a teacher, I always try to inspire and, and help bring people closer and closer to feeling good about themselves and achieving success. So you put that together and you can't help the realization that you have exactly what you'd want. You have these desirable characteristics. This is part of you. This is something you offer. Remember that. If you're going to make a list, make a list of what you want in someone else and check off whether that's something that you have. And I think you'll find you do have so much of that. To recognize that what you're bringing to the bargain are all of these valuables and if you can be in touch with that hopefully that can make you feel a little bit more deserving can you relate to that T? yeah yeah thank you very much for uh, for the support thank you thank you T. Yeah. call again
yeah, and I'm going to keep listening to All right, see the ripple. <laughs> Good. And we have another caller on the line. This is WBAI. You're on the air. Hi, good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon. Who's calling? Uh, this is Tony calling from Brooklyn. Hey, Tony, how are you? I'm, I'm listening to the topic, and, you know, I did my Prospect Park morning walk. I made my green smoothie, and nice. I just randomly have this on, and I absolutely love this conversation. Oh, and great. So I, I feel like the whole world needs to hear it, and um, I... I like I've I've had I've had this these scenarios in the past with with someone who did not fight fair at all who showed up eight years later to apologize and still hasn't learned how to fight fair mm. and so I'm in the space of having flashbacks to what that looks like mm. yeah yeah <laughs> and so as you talk I could see how like he he did all he did all the things that you're saying not to do and um, I'm just I'm I'm wondering it, it feels like to me like i'm one of these people i believe that this kind of um information should be taught in schools oh, yes absolutely it's like yeah we assume that people know or they're going to learn this somehow but if you don't learn it at home where are you going to learn it and most people don't know how to fight fair no absolutely it's, it's shocking to me that we don't develop interpersonal schools at school because we know that they're not right. going to get it at home but right. or unlikely to get it at home but you know we have this mythology in our culture that this is within the realm of for parents to take care of or maybe we think that people will get it from their religious practice well, that's where we're supposed to socially develop to become ethical people but most people's relationship with their church or their synagogue or their mosque aren't giving them this stuff. No, no, there's no emotional wellness. There's, there's no communication skills. And I had a friend last night called and he wanted to talk out loud about the scenario and with his relationship. Mm. And as he told me things the woman said, because I had given him tips on being fair and being a better listener as a man, mm. And then I was just like, I fainted when he was telling me the kinds of things that this woman had said to him. And he's walking this line between if he should, you know, should he be putting more effort in mm. to work it out with this person? Or is this something you walk away with if this person slams the door every time she gets pissed? Mm. Is this person, um, she goes, she goes to the jugular, she is always pointing out. She will give the list, you know, how one of the points is... Litany of sins, yeah. Don't go through the litany. She will give a litany of sins. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and so he called for my opinion. And then I, because I've been, you know, peace and love and communication and affirmation and, and looking at yourself. And then I was like, oh, gosh, I, I don't know how to advise you at this space. It, it sounds like she has a lot of healing to do. I don't know if he's tried talking to her about fighting fair, but that's one thing to approach it with because part of it is also looking at what the agenda is. It could be the only way she knows. That was the mind-blowing thing of the show. That's yeah. why I called. Yeah. Because when you raise the point about, for some people, that's the only form of emotional intimacy that they get to experience. Yep. Yeah, that's what that's what was mind blowing, and I I saw like five faces of exes. Right, <laughs> right. Now I hear you, Tony. Thank you so much for your call. Yeah, thank you for um, bringing this topic up. All right, and we've got another caller. This is WBAI. You're on the air. 
time. I was enjoying the show. And Who, who's calling? Oh, uh, Roy. Sorry. Hey, Roy. Roy. Uh, where are you, where Roy are you from? Roy, New Jersey. Okay. You were talking about bringing up the past, and, you know, you're right. In some ways, that can be very counterproductive. But the problem is that a lot of times that's done to, to show or identify a pattern. And when you see somebody just continually repeating a, a pattern of behavior, whether you're saying that this is something that they do or someone that they are, there are certain things that if they persist over a length of time, they're not going to change. And once you recognize that, you know, maybe it's time to either accommodate yourself to that pattern in the other person or accommodate yourself to the idea of losing the, the relationship or the friendship or yes, whatever the interaction is. Absolutely, Roy. You're making a really good point. If you've come to a place where you've given up that this is something that can change and it's a deal breaker, then why you're trying to do the litany of sin communication to the person doesn't make sense. If you've really determined that this is how the person, it's not going to change. And if you really feel you've done everything you can to try to make that change, then dropping that litany of sin conversation doesn't seem to result in anything productive. If I can't get you to acknowledge the most proximate instance of a particular behavior that's problematic for me, and I can't just get you to say, okay, I'm going to try to do something about this, hitting you over the head with, and it's been that way for the last five years, that's not going to put you in a more receptive place. Well, I, I think the hitting somebody over the head with it, if you put it that way, no, it doesn't. But there are certain things that only become problematic when, when there are, are a repeated pattern. For instance, if you're pointing out that a person, look, last week, okay, when I put the brakes on the car too fast, you started screaming and you acted as though there was going to be an auto accident. Hmm. Um, the week before that, when you heard something fall in the kitchen, you jumped about a mile in the air and you, you thought that there was a burglar or some disaster. Sometimes, if you can identify those things to people, they'll see a pattern where they're reacting out of a script that they have running in their head or a learned set of behaviors that doesn't apply to a situation, and the light will dawn on them. I've, I've had people point that out to me, that I'm you know, becoming angry at something that I see as, as a threat or an imposition yeah. that really isn't, yeah. but that's sort of one of my automatic go-to responses. Right. And when they point that out to me, like, wow, you're right, I'm reacting to something that I'm being vigilant for that isn't necessarily happening. Yeah. I have my detectors turned up too high. You're certainly right that sometimes there's room to talk about a behavior in a larger context, but more often than not, these things are bludgeons. <laughs> They're just ways to gouge the other person, and we have to be very judicious about it. Roy, thank you for your call. Sure thing, sure thing. Okay. This is WBAI. You're on the air. Hey, Arnell, this is uh, Alan up in Rockland County. Do hey, you remember? Alan, Peace, through, remember? peace yeah. through Play, but now you've got oh, a different name, right? You're incredible. No, it's Peace Through Play Nursery School. Beautiful, yeah. How, how, how nice. My wife and I have some really beautiful practices that, that also seem to help negate some of the, the harder things that we get through. And one thing we, we do is we do appreciations mm -hmm. every day, and we try to really take the time to tell each other what we appreciate about each other and, you know, what kind of gratitude we have for each other. We also, um, you know, we try to meditate together every right. day. Right. And just, you know, so just building in some of those things that really build on the positive side 
But I loved everything. I loved all your um, ideas and everything you said in the beginning. I'd love to get a copy so I can give them to my daughters who are on the verge of... I will email them to you. Yeah, that would be that would be dynamite. Absolutely. But anyway, thanks. Okay. Excellent. So I really appreciate it. Thank you, Alan. And keep up the good work. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Bye -bye. You too. Thank you. It's nearly the bottom of the hour, and you're listening to Equal Time for Free Thoughts, Naturalistic Supports Look at Fighting Fair on 99.5 WBAI New York. And we'll continue taking your calls at 212-209-2900 at the other end of this brief break. Listening to Equal Time for Free Thought. Right here on 99.5 FM. WBAI New York. Non commercial, listener sponsored. Peace and Justice Radio. This Saturday from 2 to 3. Equal Time for Free Thoughts, Naturalistic Support, offering a revolutionary new way to think about ourselves. And we make the space to reach out to each other. I just wanted to call in to give encouragement to the last caller. <laughs> right on where I am right at this moment. You really hit the proverbial nail on the head. I really connected with what you were saying about loneliness. We are hardwired to help each other. Getting past the blame, owning your own truth, Letting go of judgmental thoughts. I felt so fortunate to hear this. You went through every single one of the things that I've been working on for my life. Now you said all that, I'm like, holy cow, what is this guy doing? Is he talking to me right now? The naturalistic revolution is a game changer. Listen to us break it down this Saturday from 2 to 3. I want to thank you so much. You helped me so much. People. People who need people are the luckiest people in the world. Where children needing other children. Caller on the line. This is WBAI. You're on the air. Who's calling? Claudia June. Hi, Claudia. And where are you calling from? I'm calling from Brooklyn. Oh, good. Um, your first caller hit a nerve in my body. Mm. And I've been going on more years than he has in isolation. 
And I feel that it's healthy. And in another sense, um, I have overcome toxic people. But what I find so painful is that when someone puts me on a defense, like they'll say something to me to trigger me to make an outburst as they're making an outburst. Right. And as the gentleman, the first caller, T was saying, you have to make these baby steps. And sometimes these baby steps are so scary because you don't want to curse. You don't want to offend because it puts you even more um, less than the, the argument. And I hurt when... I feel as though I'm the victim, but at the same time, it makes me feel as though I don't have the vocabulary to be as smooth as I normally am when I'm not having someone putting me under defense. Sure. I seem to balk very quickly. Oh, you know, we all kind of we walk away from these confrontations, and then you think of the 20 things you could have said, should have yeah. said, didn't say, or regretting what you did say. Let me just interject, and then you can't sleep because you do have the rehearsal, yeah. what you could have, would have said. And the thing is, is to recognize that those confrontations, naturally, we shut down. That's uh, my normal reaction, yeah, and I'm right. trying to go out of that. Right. But one way to try to approach that is to try to think about where's this person coming from? How do I respond, trying to respond to this person's heart or this person's pain? Because some of it can be someone's trying to say, I'm in pain, darn it. I'm angry. I'm frustrated. I'm not getting what I need, or I don't know how to get what I need. I don't know how to ask for it, but it'll come out like lashing out, and, and how do I respond to that in a way that's not about my ego? What I had done to my social worker who was speaking to me, I said, listen, you're not going to destroy my weekend. And this is the end of the conversation. Mm. It was just too rough for my heart to feel as though it wanted to jump out of my chest. And social worker probably wasn't trying to destroy your weekend, but just is handling a job that they're overwhelmed with and don't know how to do because if that person was properly trained, they wouldn't be talking to a client in a way that makes you feel like you have to run away. And as I went through these stages of, okay, what is my response and how can I best correct these situations mm -hmm. that I feel myself in? And I said, why don't I just call her on a recording device? and just state how I'm not to be approached that way. Right. And, you know, and as she was, like, talking about relationships and having the yin and the yang, it is sometimes it's so difficult when you're still a baby making those steps. In my psychotherapy, I have come a long way. Hmm. But as I told my, my um, psychotherapist is that, he said, Claudia, you have it in you. And I said to him, I said, but still, I don't want to balk when someone is barking back at me. And I said, I'm having a very difficult time and feeling wounded. Right. But, you know, like T, I have the same thing to say to you. You know what you know from what you've been through. And that's what you learned. But you see beyond it. You see 
a better place to go, a place that you'd rather be. And just to get there, that's three quarters of the way there. People don't see it. You see it. And you want to go there. You want to go to a healthier place and a more effective way to respond and less threatened and more secure. And the way there is to kind of remember all the ways that you've actually, that you're different from what you experienced in your development, in your history, in your past, in your home life. There are many ways that I can tell from just talking to you that you've already come on a long journey. And to just recognize all the steps of that journey, baby steps, though they might be, they're important. And to really fully own that that's who you are, you're a person who's made those steps, that'll help you keep making them. Thank you so very much. And I'll get off the line so other people Thank can you, respond Claudia. to the journeys that you will complete them in. Thank, Thank you. you so very Call much. Call back. Thank you. Okay, I will do. Good. This is WBAI, and you're on the air. Yeah, hi. Hi, who's calling? This is Tony. Hi, Tony. Hi. And where are you calling from? I'm calling from the Bronx. Okay. Um, I want to get together with my girlfriend, live with her, mm. and I've known her for eight years, and she just doesn't want to live together. I mean, I make steady income. Yeah. And we don't really have fights. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know what the obstacle is. Well, what does she say is the obstacle? Does she give a reason? She says she doesn't want to... Uh, be in jail. She wants her freedom. I mean, I'm not trying to sentence her to jail, you know. Have you guys looked into getting some counseling about this? Um, I don't even know where she lives, and she's always busy. And, uh, I mean, I know what neighborhood she lives in. Uh-huh. And, and you've been together eight years, you said? Eight years. And so we must be doing something right. I mean, we don't have any major arguments. Yeah, I hear you. Sounds like she's keeping at arm's length, and that's got to be frustrating for you. But there's a wide range of reasons that she might not be able to participate in this relationship in the way that you want. And you've been together eight years, and all your sincere caring and your desire for intimacy can't be reciprocated by her. It might be that she doesn't want the relationship with you no matter what she says or she just kind of wants it in her back pocket while she looks for something else but if she's not ready to commit after all that time and guys don't often say this to guys women will often say you gotta walk because you're investing your life in somebody that clearly isn't on the same page as you some people don't know how to share that level of vulnerability and openness that comes when you commit. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, she lives with her daughter, and the daughter's moving out to Long Island. Because mm. she lives in Queens. I used to live in Queens. Yeah. And her daughter's going to move to Long Island, marry. I said, great. This is a perfect opportunity, because she, she didn't want me to be there with her daughter. Right. Right. For some reason. Yeah, and now, and now you get a chance to see what the real story was because now the daughter's out of the picture and she still is reluctant to move forward. Knowledge is power and you've got more information now and hopefully you can use that to make sure that you're going to put your energies where you're going to get your needs met. You seem like a good guy and you, you deserve it. 
Yeah, I mean, she wants me to get a girlfriend, and this one, my high school girlfriend said the same thing. They, she wants me to get a girlfriend, and yeah. Well, and, Tony, uh, I think you got to do it, man. I think you got to move on because you can't beat your head against a wall. We also have to move on as well. But thank you for your call, Tony. Okay, thank right. you. Okay. Bye bye. Bye bye. This is WBAI. You're on the air. Hello. Hi. Who's calling? Hi, I'm Jeanette. I'm calling Hi. from the Bronx. Hi, Jeanette. Hi. Um, I like your topic a lot. I think um, I think it's really good that there is attention being given to peaceful. Uh, conflict resolution and um, how people can uh, shepherd situations into peaceful, amicable outcomes. And um, as an activist, I feel it a lot because uh, sometimes I'm in a confrontive stance and in situations where I feel like people take on identities and stuff that doesn't even you know it doesn't even have relevance in their life sometimes and yet they're out there and they'll challenge you because you're um rocking the boat and upsetting the status quo and um oh i'd like to say also that uh at a school that um one of my children was going to they did start a conflict resolution project and she was involved in it Oh, that's great! And when there would be like fights in the in the schoolyard and stuff, she would she and you know one or two others would interfere just with with pads, uh, not interfere, intervene mm-hmm. with with pads and with you know just reason. They would have a certain shirt or armband, and they would ask both people you know to state what their grievance was and stuff and try to figure out and brainstorm ways to settle it without a fight breaking out. Yeah. So there is some headway going on with young people right now, but um, I feel like, you know, one thing I wanted to bring up is that sometimes the people that we love that are the closest to us aren't uh, our peers. They're like uh, our parents or our kids. Yeah. And... Um, I've found myself at loggerheads with one of my children where we just unfortunately have a kind of a personality clash Mm. where it's built up uh, almost all our lives and um, now we actually need to take extensive breaks from one another uh, in spite of the fact that we really love each other but we sort of have a, um, a very irritating and negative effect on one another. Right. And um, I wanted to suggest also that in that long-term relationship with the man and uh, his girlfriend, mm-hmm. where the girlfriend had the daughter there, um, sometimes your kids are sort of like, you know, you can, it's like a, um, a screen you can hide behind and they're, you're in a different role, so you're sort of not available and it's convenient to have these um, relationships that you don't really um you don't really invest in as a, an individual because you're not living your life as an individual. You're living your life in a role. So that relationship is like an escape. Yeah. That's a big problem when people think they want one thing, but in fact they aren't able to necessarily handle getting that one thing. People think they want intimacy, but then everything they do is actually either avoiding intimacy or getting intimacy in a very dysfunctional way or perpetuating 
feeling victimized by right. the relationship. It is important to try to give space when it's necessary. And I've learned with my own child that giving her space was the best thing I ever did. And, uh -huh. you know, and for yourself as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. Because um, we get, uh, especially if you care a lot about somebody and um, they're, you know, they seem to be provoking you in a way where, I don't know, with, with my kid, I found that I was getting more and more alien to what I would like to even think I am. When we see things coming out of our mouths that we're horrified by, <laughs> that, that, is, that is a sign that it might be time to step back. Jeanette, thank you so much for your call. Sure, you're welcome. Thank All you. Right. Bye-bye. You're listening to Equal Time for Free Thought. Right here on 99.5 FM. W-B-A-I New York. Non-commercial, listener-sponsored. Peace and Justice Radio. And you're listening to Equal Time for Free Thoughts, Naturalistic Support's look at Fighting Fair as we wrap up here in the bottom half of our last half hour. And we have a caller on the line. This is WBAI. You're on the air. Who's calling? I'm Kay from Queens. Kay? How, yes. How are you? Hi. Good, thank you. I'm really interested in your topic today and Fighting Fair, and I'm really pleased to associate fighting with intimacy. Like T, I learned to isolate, and so the intimacy is, is pretty much missing. Yeah. And I kind of decided that I was just an isolationist. You know, I attributed it to personality and this and that, but it's, it's being brought up that uh, it's something that I definitely learned. Uh, I guess I have a question also about choice. And mm. you're saying that there's no free will? Yeah. Is choice free will? Um, no. Choice oh. is choice. People confuse those things. We always will choose. We choose every moment of our lives. We choose what to do. But mm. why do we choose as we do? Why will one person choose one thing and another person choose another? I mean, mm -hmm. obviously, it has to do with everything that's happened to them, their genes, their experiences. Everything leading up to that moment mm -hmm. informs how they're going to choose. It might not be conscious, but there are determinants that or causes that result in the choices we make. That's interesting. So the will is separate from choice because we didn't will the things that happened to us prior to the choice? Yeah, the, the position of naturalistic support, we stand alone pretty much from mm. conventional wisdom, which basically says, particularly in our society where everything is chosen and your free will, even if you get cancer, if you lose your job, mm -hmm. whatever happens to you bad or what happens to you good, if you wind up being a super billionaire, whatever happens to you, you chose it. It's this individualistic thing. This serves the capitalist narrative and the ultra hyper individualism narrative very well. But the fact is that it's all the luck of the draw. That if we're lucky enough to be to have the kinds of determinants that support our being happy and healthy and connected and live good lives, then we're lucky. 
And if our determinants led us to be in conflict with our society, where we wind up in jail or hurting other people, we're profoundly unlucky. Mm -hmm. We all have health, though. So if we can connect to the whatever small part of us has health, because all humans are inclined toward healthy social behavior, we get diminished by the hangups in our development. Oh, uh, I see, I see. Okay, great show. I keep listening. Thanks so much. Thank you so much, Kay. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. And we have a full board of callers. We'll try to fit one or two more in before we have to close. This is WBAI. You're on the air. Who's calling? Hi, this is Desiree. Hi, Desiree. Hi, thank you for taking my call. I wanted to speak on what T had said earlier and that I often feel this loneliness. Yeah. I've been in a relationship. Um, we've been friends since 2006, and um, we've been together officially for three years now. We were friends in the beginning, yeah. and it was platonic, and then it became more serious, and now we're three years strong, I'm glad to say. But I sometimes find it difficult. Whenever we get into arguments, he has a certain way of arguing, and I have a certain way of arguing. And, you know, um, based on how we've grown up, it's, it's very different. I'm sure it has nothing to do with being, sma- being Spanish, but in my household, I guess the similarities of my family, like my grandmother was divorced, my mom is divorced, and now I've, I'm sort of, I have this cloud over my head of if mm. I'm not as strong as they were, um, I guess I'll be taken advantage of. And that's right. not something that I, I want had to have happen in my relationship. So when I get angry, I get um, I get really, really angry. And right. I get very super negative. And my boyfriend's here listening to me. He wanted me to mention that I always use the word always. And I always use never in, um, yeah. whenever we're arguing. Like, yeah. You never listen to me. You always say negative things and you never understand me. Well, that's not often the case, but yeah. I find myself always frustrated. Well, Desiree, you're really somebody who could take advantage of some of these techniques we're talking about. If you could even have one argument about something that you feel strongly about, that you just go out of your way to isolate it and just say, I just want to talk about the plate in the sink. Just this time, not you always leave the plate in the sink, or you. but just could you not leave the plate in the sink? And just make it isolated. The thing is, you're retraining yourself. We're all retraining ourselves to try to do it a little better than what was modeled for us. And it's really, really hard. But you've been to the mountain. You can see the promised land. You kind of know that there might be something better in your future than there was in your grandmother's and your mother's. Maybe you want something better. But in order to get that, you also know you're going to have to do something different than they did. And you don't have to just go by what we've said in this program. There's so many good tools. You could Google fighting fair, and there's so many good tools, and you can try some of those techniques. And if your partner is there listening, then he can try too. It's very easy to feel threatened, and when we get threatened, we get ugly. To try to know that, hey, this person isn't going anywhere, I'm not going anywhere. We're both all in, and therefore, we got to make this clean, and we have to make this work, and we have to fight fair. Yes, yeah. It's work, but it's work that you can do. 
And I, I think you can get there. Maybe you can just try to research a little bit more. Are you seeing a counselor yourself? Um, we, um, we hadn't seen um, a counselor um, before. It was a, a one-time a, a one visit. But I want to say that I left there with a lot of knowledge. We found out through talking that my boyfriend doesn't respond well to uh, loud noises. So whenever I raise my voice over a certain decibel, which is very easy for me to do, he feels very threatened, and then he'll escalate. And then I know that um, if he starts to escalate, then yeah. I will escalate. And then you're more. off. And then you're off to the races. That's intimate in a way, but it's not the kind of intimacy that you walk out feeling great. It's the kind of intimacy that you walk out feeling drained and destroyed. You, yeah. you don't want it. And I think you can get something better. Desiree, thank you for your call. You're welcome. Thank you. And we've got one last caller on the line here. This is WBAI. You're on the air. Who's calling? Tony from the Bronx. Tony from the Bronx again. No, no, no. That's not the same Tony. Oh, a different Tony. Okay, boy, we've had th th three Tony calls. I think there might callers. be two. Two Tonys in the Bronx. Okay. <laughs> there might be more. Go ahead, Tony. Well, I... I I've been listening for a couple of minutes, not the entire show, but you know, the one thing that I'm, that, listen, I, I don't know any more than anybody else. I don't pretend to, mm -hmm. but uh, from my own personal experience, I find that what has worked for me, what works for me now and, and how I learned it is just, you know, just going the wrong way about things. But the main thing is that I, I never focus on what the other person says or does. Mm -hmm. I only focus on what I can do to move this forward, to have a peaceful resolution. Or Do, what can I do? Doesn't sometimes that require, though, you listening close? Oh, absolutely. But, but like I said, it, it's not that I think I'm any more intelligent than anybody else. But I was in a marriage where for ten years I could wait for somebody to change, and you know they don't change. And miraculously, when I stopped yelling and screaming. She stopped yelling and screaming. So whose fault was it? I blamed her for ten. Oh, years. I see. So you're talking about owning owning your part of the issue and not and, your part. Yeah. No, owning everything, okay. owning all of it. Yeah, because of course. Because I didn't because, see that yeah. I was the one who I I just thought it was her, but I didn't see that by me changing it altered her reactions. Yeah. Well, you change the way you move. The dance changes. Exactly. That's exactly what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And it took me. A long time. Now, I hear you, Tony. You know what? We're at the end, so we have to close up. But thank you so much for your call. You're welcome. Thank you, man. You've been listening to Equal Time for Free Thoughts, Naturalistic Supports, Look at How to Fight Fair. I'm Arnell Dore. Tune in next week for another edition of our program. Archived editions of Equal Time for Free Thought can be accessed from our website at equaltimeforfreethought.org. Thanks to Michael O'Neill for his web support. Today, our program's been engineered by the talented Sean Rhodes. And stay where you are, because coming right up is New World Gallery with Chico Alvarez. And if you think it's been working for you, then go ahead and keep the faith. But please, keep it to yourself, and remember to tune in, pay it forward, and question everything. Bye.